I'm a cracked machine. I am a guy while I say. I am your favorite DJ. A blip on the screen. Today's episode, we talked to DJ Hostetler of the band's Body Futures and If I Have High Fi about Brainiac. This is the Alphabet. I'm your host, Chris Wood. I guarantee you cannot get to me. You cannot get to me. Alright, so thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Good to be on the program. (laughs) Uh, So uh, to start off, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your uh, your bands and all that. Sure. So my name is DJ Hostetler. I've been playing music uh, since I was about 10 or so um, and was probably, uh, it was it was a history of growing up with, in a small town with a lot of like really mainstream stuff on the radio and, and MTV, which is really all you could find um, in my town. And uh, getting to college is when I kind of started learning about some weirder, more underground punk music, um, you know, like Faith No More uh, kind of cracked the doors open a little bit for me as to like there's less mainstream stuff out there. And um, eventually, uh, you know, the band we're about to talk about, Brainiac, kind of blew the doors open. And since then, there have been kind of the number one uh, musical influence for me in a lot of my bands. Uh, the band that most people know me from, if I had a hi-fi, is highly Brainiac-influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, largely in part of the impact they had on me and our guitar player, Chris. Um, and I've... Uh, gone on to also play in a band called Body Futures with my wife Dixie and some other folks that uh, is less noise-rocky influenced but still has some some elements. Um, and then I've uh, filled in uh, with, you know, random bands in Milwaukee here and there when they need me, but uh, really uh, Hi-Fi and Body Futures have been my thing. It's when you said that you wanted to talk about Brainiac, and I, I'm not super familiar with Brainiac, mm-hmm. um, but uh, like I, um, I have hissing prigs, and I remember getting into that in high school. But uh, yeah, when you said that you wanted to talk about Brainiac, uh, for whatever reason, it clicked, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. no, I totally <laughs> see that. Okay, yeah, I, gotcha. I, yeah, yeah, I think uh, we there was a. Um... Uh, not to get too esoteric for for the podcast, but uh, on a uh, message board thread on the Electrical Audio Forum, which uh, for anyone uninitiated is the uh, message board forum that Steve Albini's uh, studio runs, uh, there was a thread going on about Brainiac where someone actually posted that, oh, I'm finally listening to this band for the first time. I finally get where if I had a hi-fi is coming from. (laughs) Cool, man. (laughs) We we only exist to turn people back onto better bands than us. So (laughs) Um, so, uh, how did you first uh, come across Brainiac? Uh, In in the live setting, fortunately. Um, There was a killer scene um, in Green Bay in the mid to late 90s that um, was centered around a couple places that did all ages shows, which was 
a uh, a rarity back then. It's uh, is less of a is, is more of a rarity now, I should say. Um, but uh, I was going to college in Oshkosh, Wisconsin at the time, uh, which was about forty five minutes away from Green Bay, and so I was dri- driving up there you know, like sometimes three, four nights a week to see shows because there's nothing to do in Oshkosh. Um, so uh, one night, uh, the band, the lineup that was happening at the Elks Club in Green Bay was Jawbox with Brainiac and opening act Alligator Gun, who were an awesome kind of emo-tinged pop-punk band from Milwaukee at the time. And mm-hmm. So really it was like I was going to see Alligator Gun and... These other two touring bands on the show were probably going to be good too because they were playing with Alligator Gun, and of course, both of them ended up like crushing Alligator Gun, who are a great band, who were a great band. But um, yeah, Alligator Gun played, did their thing, and then uh, Brainiac got up there, and it was just you know like very unassuming Tim Taylor up there going. Hey everybody, we're Brainiac from Dayton, Ohio. This first song's called Ride, and then he just turned on his vocal effects and went, and just like they just launched into it. And my, me and my roommate were just like jaws on the floor immediately. Just what the hell is this? And it was kind of hats off to Larry from there. Like, like postscript, that was also my first Jawbox show, and they were also amazing, but they kind of got overshadowed. <laughs> well, yeah, I imagine that they would be more of a traditional like live band. Yeah, yeah, like Brainiac was like they were from another planet, yeah, whereas yeah. Jawbox was like, here's this awesome, cool new band that's kind of tinged in the things that make Alligator Gun cool, and so that related. But I didn't even, I had no idea where this was coming from. Like, I wasn't super familiar with deep cut, like, early Devo yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really familiar with Pure Ubu yet at all, which is another band that they took a lot from. Um, like, Six Finger Satellite or Chrome. Like, I wasn't really, like, this was, Brainiac was the band that got me into all those bands. So, so I really had no idea where they were coming from at the time. It was just like, manufactured by aliens or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, when you got into them, did you, did, like, immediately go all in, or was it, like, a progressive thing? No, it was it was immediately all in. Like, I, I need to touch everything that these guys have ever been involved with now. And, like, and it was it was interesting because... It's interesting now because this was on their first record, which um, the first... Brainiac record, Smack Bunny Baby, is a little bit more steeped in traditional indie rock. Like, uh, I was actually detecting Nirvana touch points on that one, which is not something anyone would think of now. And then just later that year, they put out uh, Bonsai Superstar, which is my favorite record by them. And that was... uh, even kind of a left turn progression for them, which kind of set the template for like hissing prigs and whatnot. And like from then on, it was just like this is this is insane. I need to be obsessed with everything they do. Like Chris and I followed them around the state. Like if they were in the Wisconsin, bo- within the Wisconsin border, we were going to the show. Awesome. So yeah. <laughs> um, and did they come up a lot? I mean, it. it, it 
from being in North Carolina, it yeah. doesn't seem like Dayton to Wisconsin would be that far. But the the thing about the mid '90s in Green Bay was that it was it it weirdly became a destination stop for a lot of bands on that level oh. at the time. Um, like eventually, the scene kind of settled into a building called the Concert Cafe that uh, the manager of the local indie record store, the exclusive company, owned and ran, um, and he he made it like he had incredible taste worked with some other guys in the area that their tastes might not have sunk up with him perfectly but he knew that they were into quality like he would get all of the like estrus and garage punk bands and like the helicopters and the new bomb turks and stuff like that and uh one of the other guys he worked with would get like Girls Against Boys and Jawbox and like the the more like indie rock stuff that that I kind of was more into, um, but there were bands that would like skip Milwaukee to go up to Green Bay and play the cafe because they had like room for one Wisconsin stop and they were like we're gonna go to the place where like four hundred like all ages kids might show up and have a ton of allowance money to blow on merch. So, um, Brainiac hit Wisconsin a lot, and they played Green Bay a lot. They used to actually say that it was their one of their best towns outside of Dayton to play in, oh, wow. because like they were they were hailed like conquering heroes whenever they would show up. Like the place would be packed full, and people would just be. It, it got ridiculous the number of people that were showing up for them in Green Bay. It was great. <laughs> um. What's, what sort of stuff did do you feel that you kind of took away from them that you it sort of influenced, like, your, your songwriting and stuff like that? Because I, I'm not sure, like, I, I know every band's different. You, yeah. You played drums with Hi-Fi right. and Body Features. I, I'm not sure how much you're contributing other in- sure. instrumentation or sure. if it's just from a percussion standpoint. Or... Um, well, I can say, before I get into me, I can say that um, one of the, like, like maybe the second time I saw Brainiac in Green Bay, um, Chris from Hi-Fi and I were chatting up with John Schmerzel, their guitar player, and Chris just out of curiosity was like, "Hey, can you tell me how you tune your guitar?" And John was like, "No problem." And he wrote down like his like alternate tuning oh, wow. and handed it to Chris. And Chris was like, "I'm playing with this immediately." So right there was a direct influence songwriting wise. <clears throat> as far as drums go. Um, the watching Tyler Trent, the drummer, uh, was a huge influence because he taught me how to uh, be a front man behind the drums. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like Timmy Taylor, the lead singer of Brainiac, was such a force and a commanding presence on stage. Um, the other guys had to sort of step up their performance game to keep up with him. Um, and watching Tyler drum, he was practically falling off of his throne all the time, just like rocking back and forth, screaming. It, like like a lot of like background vocal screams were him, um, just throwing himself like Keith Moon style at his drum set. And watching that, I was like, that's how you get people to focus on the drummer. So having kind of a, you know, an 
assertive presence, to say the least, in front of our band with Chris. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, I got somebody I need to keep up with. This is how you do it. And so, so like, really, like, performance-wise, I learned a lot from them. Um, Music-wise, maybe I took more from other drummers that I've uh, listened to over the years. Mm -hmm. But um, we certainly, as a band overall, uh, certainly learned about, like, how to use noisy samples and alternate tunings and... um, you know, like the the benefit of just having like one sampler pedal or a pan, uh, sampler pedal sampler pad mm-hmm. back by the drum set to just give a little bit of electronic edge to it, mm-hmm. but still keep an acoustic sound overall. Um, little thing, little things like that. Like the band's kind of pulled from a number of bands over the years, but specifically that stuff from Brainiac. It's it, it really it's it it is so interesting to me that like. It, and, and I don't mean this to be in a negative way, or like you guys are. I, I don't mean to imply that you guys are pulling too much, <laughs> but really, there, there, there's a certain through line of like I can see where mm-hmm. where the Brainiac influence on you guys in your performance and on the your songs on your songwriting, like it's it's really there. It's uh, it's that's really interesting to me, and and again, it's. Seems like influence. It doesn't seem like you're you're pulling sure. too much or you're doing a play on any of that. And I feel like they took a lot more from from like jazz and like no wave and like the art rock from Dayton and Cleveland from the seventies that we probably do. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, uh, I have a my friend uh, my friend Jordan. Uh, who plays in another band in Milwaukee once uh, was getting interviewed by someone and he he said something that really like jumped out to me which was if you want to sound like the Rolling Stones don't listen to the Rolling Stones listen to what the Rolling Stones listened to and you know we listened to what Brainiac listened to as well but mostly we yeah, I mean, it's more Brainiac than the things that influenced Brainiac. So, so the fl- the through line is probably more evident that way. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, over the years, we've borrowed stuff from like we covered a, you know, we covered a Stevie Wonder song once. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> like we we pull stuff from places where you wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's unquestionably the most we're ripping off is <laughs> is Brainiac stuff. So it's you know we'll we'll. We'll cop to it. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not a negative. No, and, and, and again, I don't. I don't mean it to be for a sure because yeah. you guys are terrific, and uh, yeah, I feel like I'm putting my cards on the table. Or something. <laughs> but but no, you body futures and uh, hi-fi. I I love both very Thank much. Um, did I? I'm not sure about the. I'm not totally clear about the timeline of Brainiac, but did you? Was there any overlap with? Uh, your bands with them? Did you guys were you able to play with them? Or? <sighs> no, regrettably. Um, so uh, Tim passed away in the car accident in '97. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris and I were in a really terrible punk band uh, from like '94 to '95. That was like the first band either of us were in that like played out in at, like punk shows, mm-hmm. um, and. 
the the timing wasn't there for us to be able like and our skill level wasn't there for us to be able to take what we were hearing from Brainiac and inject it into that band yet. Gotcha. So we had about a uh, there was a span of about like like late ninety five to about ninety eight where we didn't have a band going because the right combination of people didn't present themselves. Mm-hmm. So once we got that our first band after that going in about 98 we started borrowing you know like trying trying to inject stuff from them and Sonic Youth and a couple other bands to make something noisy mm-hmm. happen so um, never got to play with Brainiac unfortunately but we have been fortunate enough to play with Enon which is oh, right. uh, John Smirgel's post Brainiac band mm-hmm. um, Body Futures played with Crooks on Tape which is one of Smirgel's uh, Smirgel, uh, John Smirgel's latest projects is that one. Um, so we've our cross, our, our paths have crossed with John. Um, the other guys haven't played as much in recent years. John kind of became a he's become like a session guy, and uh, you know has done a few projects of his own. Um, I think Tyler played drums in another thing after that. He might have actually done a shift in the Breeders for a hot second, like where he, I don't think he recorded anything with them. Um, Juan, their bass player, went out to L.A. for a while and had a band called Model Actress with a guy from another band that's escaping me right now. But... Um, yeah, neither of those two toured really extensively after Brainiac ended. It was pretty much like we were fortunate enough to hook up with John a few times. Mm-hmm. And I think we we probably played with Eden like two or three times, thinking about it. Yeah. Like yeah, like there there was definitely a Milwaukee show and a Green Bay show and a Nina Wisconsin show, so at least three. <laughs> nice. so. Um so yeah, talking about Tim Taylor's passing, like what did it, being a fan of Brainiac, what did it sort of, what sort of impact did that have on you? Because for a lot of bands, a lot of bands will just sort of break up or go yeah. away or whatever, and then there's always the possibility that they might come back or they might play a reunion show or something like that. Yeah. But that something like this is much more final. That for know, sure. Yeah, it was definitely like Tim was too much of a part of that band that they they couldn't like recast him. Obviously, it was surreal. Um, it was especially surreal because at the time I was operating a Brainiac fan site, um, and like so this is like you know early mainstream internet where like you you know you'd have like a terrible background and some under construction gifts and <laughs> you know like. Like, you build it on GeoCities if you don't know anyone who owns a server. Otherwise, but, you know. um, But, uh, uh, so I was operating that site, and actually, like, a couple weeks before the accident, got an email from his mom thanking me for running the site, which was, this like, the coolest thing ever. Like, oh, Tim's mom emailed me. Oh, this is so cute. Um, Had, like, pitched to her, like, if I sent you some email questions, like, could I do like a I interviewed Tim's mom thing for the site and she was like totally into it and then uh, the morning after the accident I get an email from Tim's aunt who apparently knew that 
I had been messaging, like, his whole family must have known about the fan site. We were probably all, like, just super geeked about it. Um, but uh, I got, I found out, like, from his aunt. Like, she sent me an email, like, hey, this is going to be really crushing, and we're all freaking out right now, but Tim was in a car accident last night and passed away. And so I got that news from her as it was starting to trickle out around the, like, the music media mm-hmm. um so that was it was like there was an extra surreal level to how devastating it was because like you're finding it out from someone who knew him personally instead of just from the newswire yeah um because at, at that point we had like chatted with him and hung out with him a bunch like chris and i had interviewed him for a zine that uh, that i had that i was doing um so he knew us. He would recognize us, like when we would show up somewhere. Last time we saw them play was in uh, Beloit, Wisconsin, which was about a two-hour drive from where we were. So like we like tapped him on the shoulder. He's like, "The hell are you guys doing here?" <laughs> you know. So it was, and that was like about a month before the accident happened. So, so just having hung out with him, maybe four weeks before that, it was all very like shocking and final and weird mm-hmm. so like hey there's this guy who like knows you and appreciates when you show up to his shows and knows you by name and he's like gone yeah. you know like that was that was it was it was messed up and surreal and weird and i don't even know if i like cried about it i was just kind of like like this is fucking weird you know like kind of went through that whole day like what's even happening yeah like I went to a show that I, the show I went to that night in Green Bay was the Hanson Brothers, the No Means No side project, mm-hmm. and I I thank them for playing a amazing and hilarious set and kind of like lifting, kind of like knocking me out of the fog. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I got to the cafe that night and was like, "Have you guys heard yet? Have you guys heard yet? Have you guys heard yet?" Like everyone was kind of buzzing about it, mm-hmm. but uh, but that show like lifted everyone's spirits like. A lot, from what I remember. Uh, Is does Brainiac continue to be an influence or be a band that you you go back to that you listen to regularly? Or? Yeah, yeah, very often. I'll uh, um, I will go on kicks where I'll tear through all their records, maybe at least once a year. Uh, you know, um, so yeah, I go back to them a lot. Um, I sometimes. Am fortunate enough to tell somebody if they're like you know, you know what kind of bands influenced your bands? I'll be like, go here and then, you know, like get to hopefully like turn some people on to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's hard to know what their legacy has has been like. You know, like there's a documentary uh, being worked on right now that's coming out this year about them, which. Is really exciting because it feels like, uh, you know, they're gonna get the the recognition that they deserve, mm-hmm. like the document that they deserve to to have, so that people understand what a huge deal they were. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, you know we're we're already talking a generation past uh, already. You oh know? yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's that's messed up. Like, you know, like. 
kids, you know, people that are like half my age now, like I'm 44, like 24 year old people are like, I don't know who that is. Right. You know, <laughs> and hopefully like things like this and things like that documentary are hopefully going to be able to like turn a younger generation on to them. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for someone that was new to Brainiac, like where, where would you tell them to start? Um, probably there, man, there's two ways you can do it. Probably, uh, Bonsai Superstar is what is my personal favorite. Mm -hmm. And from there you can probably go backwards to Smack Bunny Baby and kind of see what developed into that. Um, cause Smack Bunny Baby's awesome, but it's really not the template for what Brainiac was overall. So maybe you start with Bonsai Superstar Go back to Smack Bunny Baby and get more of a context for it, and then progress to the International EP, Hissing Prigs, Electroshock for President, um, and then like gather the seven inches as you go. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a couple other like there's their Dexatrim split with Lazy is really good, and they had a oh what was the song that was on the Bratmobile split, I forget. I think it was maybe a different version of Ride. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a bunch of obscure seven inches out there if you can if you can still find them. Like Discogs probably has them for stupid money now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a Discogs person, so I don't know. But but are yeah. they a band that you feel like you you kind of have to go all in, or that you can kind of sample? Ah oh, man. Um, I don't know if I'm uh, removed enough from it to be able oh, to yeah. <laughs> like. It's like obviously I would say no. You have to listen to everything. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel like they're definitely more an album band. Mm. Um, you know, individual songs of theirs are strong, but especially on Hissing Prigs, like there's a there's a lot of songs on Hissing Prigs that like I think qualify as singles. Mm. Um, but. Uh, I feel like it's, you know, it, they're a band that you want to, like, throw the album on and definitely, like, let it sink in. You know, like, they sequenced their albums like they were albums. So, oh, okay. like, there's a there's definitely a, an experience to be had with, like, not necessarily pulling and making a playlist or anything, but just, like, sitting down with the records I highly recommend. Wait, which... I forget which labels were they. Were, were they on Touch and Go? Uh, Hissing Prigs was on Touch and Go, okay. as were the International and Electroshock EPs. Mm -hmm. um, Bonsai and uh, Smack Money Baby were on Grass Records, okay. which eventually morphed into Wind Up Records, which was the label that uh, uh, Creed was on. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar in tone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, is there anything else like it's that that you would want somebody to know about Brainiac? Uh, that they were the most intense live experience seeing music that I have ever witnessed, and I can only hope and pray that anyone who missed them finds something on that level that destroys their brain as much as watching Brainiac did. Um, I mean, I highly recommend looking for live Brainiac performances on YouTube. There are a ton of them out there. Um, but even watching them on video, 
the difference between watching a video of them play and being in the room while everyone's losing their their minds and Tim's over here screaming into and uh, screaming into a mic that's running through an analog synth that he's manipulating with the keys while like John is over by his guitar firing off a bunch of samples on pedals and screaming into the mic and looking like he's drugged out of his brain and watching Juan on the bass like rock back and forth from back to the stage to the front like with a lollipop in his mouth and like pointing laser gun hands at everybody and Tyler just like almost falling off of his drums like taking in all of that at once when you're there and the volume is overpowering and the rest of the crowd is going nuts I don't know if I'm ever going to experience that again from another (laughs) band and <laughs> well, again, to, to put my cards on the table, and all that, I, I, I would say that that Hi-Fi does a uh, does a a, a a very memorable. Li- <laughs> you 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 provide a very memorable live experience, and uh, it's very flattering of you to, to say that. I, I, like, I would, based on what you just described, <laughs> I would say that that uh, that what you provide is something in league with that. So that's. Uh, I hope that that's true. I will never <laughs> believe it. But <laughs> um, so, uh, for your bands and stuff, uh, where can people find all that? Um, we're very easy to Google. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I had a hi-fi, is a palindrome. So backwards and forwards, it's the same thing. But you can go to if I had a hi-fi dot bandcamp dot com or bodyfutures.bandcamp.com. dot dot com. Um, and everything's up there. Um, the downloads are cheap. The streaming's free. So, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, man. Thanks for letting me do it for, with you. The operative is produced in conjunction with Radio Nope. For a full listing, go to radionope.com.